0: Got to do that this morning too. Good evening. Well, I was going to tell a joke. Chuck's not here. Oh, there he is. I was going to tell a choke joke, but Chuck took it all this morning. So, with his with his joke, so I'm not going to do that. Um. <laughs> his was good. I'll tell you what. All right. Well, my things kind of. Messing up. Follow me. This one, I uh, use technology, right? Oh, there we go. All right, so um, my lesson this this today is, is titled When God's Not Fair. And there's a reason I, I'm using this, and then I'll, I'll talk about it here, here in a second. But um, Kylie said I couldn't use her as an example for this, but I'm going to anyways because I already planned on it. If you ask, if you ask Kylie, what was one of the number one things that I would answer to, because she hadn't done, and to her, she's like, you can't use me as an example, because I hadn't said it in a long time, and I said, okay, she would always say, as a kid, that's not fair, and I would ask her, Kylie, and I forget how I would word it, but I would say, well, Kylie, what do I usually say to that? She's like, life's not fair, you know, and and that's true, life's not fair, but, As humans, a lot of times, God's not fair to us. And so this honestly, I'm going to be honest with you, this sermon is really a sermon that I wrote to myself. It's not really for y'all. I hope that since I needed it, you need it too. But just to be completely honest, this is a a sermon that I I kind of just wrote to myself because it's been a, I don't know if y'all know it or not, but it's been a rough year. Um, as we look out and see what's happening over the last, man, just 2020 and, and it's on itself. But then the last couple of weeks has just made it even seem even worse uh, than what it was. And Terry, he asked me um, a few weeks ago, he's like, well, what are you going to preach on? And I said, I told him, I said, honestly, Terry, I don't know. And you know, he told me he's going to be preaching on, on Proverbs 31. And I thought, well, that's really good because you know, a lot of the people we've lost over the last couple, a lot of ladies especially we lost over the last couple of weeks, fit that narrative perfectly and so I've been having a conversation this is usually how honestly I pick a lot of my topics this is the conversations I have with with people in everyday life and th- this has just been a conversation I've been having over the last couple of weeks it is man, it's just been rough man this, a lot of, this year's been rough these last couple of weeks been rough and the thing that I keep telling myself is just this hasn't been fair I mean this week or this month this these last month this last year I'm going to be honest with you, the death of Beverly just topped it off for me. It was just, y'all know her, or you knew her, right? She served with most of us. She was so supportive. She was on all of our, our uh, committees together with a lot of us who served on there. And, you know, so we knew, you know, she had something that happened. We, we were going to pray for her. And just like all of our other prayers, when, when someone's sick in this congregation, for the most part, and we say a prayer, and, you know, they're going to get better, and we'll go back to normal, right? Well, that didn't happen. We know that. We know that didn't happen. And so I'm going to be honest with you. I was upset and angry about it. I still am. And I I know some of that's that's probably one of those things you you don't want to get up here and admit that you're upset and angry with God. But sometimes as humans, that's who who we are. As As the generation over here says, we're a little salty about it. And I ask myself, it just doesn't make sense. You know, I think of someone like, Hilda Lynn, who was in her late 90s, lived a long, good life, a wonderful servant of the Lord, and it was her time, right? She's much better off. And so we we see that, and that's a little bit easier. But someone like Beverly, who, man, she had many years left. You know, she, she still had a lot of service to give. And so it's, I ask myself, God, why are you taking one of your soldiers out of the fight when we don't need to? Man, we still have someone good... In a a sports analogy, it's like taking your all-star player out in the fourth quarter. You know, why why are you doing that? And so those are kind of some of the the questions I have. And to me, it doesn't make sense. Now, that's to me. So, honestly, any time you come into a situation like this and you see a year like we've had and things happening like we've had in the last couple weeks, where do you go? Where do you go from there? When you're upset, you're upset with God. You don't understand what, you know, what's he doing in this. You're questioning things. Where do you go? His word, the Bible. And so I decided I was going to go to Job. I wanted to look through the, the book of Job. If we ever see a story that we can say where God was not fair, the book of Job could probably be described as that. It, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot of Job here because it's, I think, 42, 43 chapters long. Um, and it's a lot of conversation. It's just back and forth conversation between friends and God. But it, it's, a, it's got a really good insight into who God is and, and maybe some of the reasons why he does what he does. So we look at Job. Job, was a, he feared God and he, he stayed away from evil. He was a good servant of God, living, his, living a faithful life. God had blessed him with seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and many, many servants. He would have been the richest person in the area that he lived in. He was so committed that even on a regular basis, he offered burnt offerings up for his children just in case they had sinned or messed up. That's how committed he was. So here's Job just living a faithful life to God it switches into a different area, And this is kind of an interesting insight, one of the insights we get into heaven. Apparently, for some reason, and, I, and I don't, the Bible doesn't describe why this is so, but it says the sons of God, or, or some versions say the heavenly court, presented themselves to, to God in heaven, and Satan comes along with them. And so I don't know if, they're, if, if the angels still have to give a report to God. You know, I don't know how this works. But anyway, something like that happens. And Satan comes along. And he asks Satan what he's been up to. And Satan says, Well, I've been roaming the earth from corner to corner. And 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 God brings up Job to Satan, brags to him, says, Have you seen my, my servant Job? He's faithful. And Satan's like, Yeah, if I had someone protecting me and blessing me so much, they'd be faithful too. He says, Why don't you take that away? And I bet you he'll curse you to your face. God says, Okay. Do what you want with everything he has, but don't touch him. Just think about that for a second. Job is doing what he should be doing. And because of a conversation between God and Satan, almost a bet, God lets Satan punish Job. And you, you, you think about that. There's no fairness in that. I mean, I mean, you think about it. So God's doing something or allowing something to happen that makes no sense to us whatsoever. So Job's tested. One day, Job comes along. I doesn't give it detail into what he's doing. But in a very short time, a messenger comes to Job. He says, Your oxen were plowing with the donkeys feeding beside them. When the Sabians raided us, they stole all the animals and killed all the farmhands. I'm the only one who escaped to tell you. Okay, that's a bad day, but you know what? We can replace oxen. I hate that I lost some of my people, but, you know, we'll recover. Well, while that was, while he was still talking about that, another messenger comes. It says, the fire of God has fallen from heaven and burned up your sheep and all the shepherds. I am the only one who escaped, to tell you. And then a third messenger comes along. Three bands of, I think that's Chaldean ragers, have stolen your camels and killed your servants. I am the only one who escaped to tell you. So at this point, he's lost his entire livelihood. Everything he uses to, to survive and make money and to provide for all of his servants and his family, it's all been wiped out in a matter of a very short period of time. So then the fourth messenger comes and says, Your sons and daughters were feasting in the oldest brother's home. Suddenly a powerful wind swept up in from the wilderness, hit the house on all sides, the house collapsed, and all your children are dead. I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. So at this point, in one very short period of time, we don't know exactly how long, but in the same day, it would appear, he lost everything he had except for four servants that we know of and his wife. What would you do? How would your response be if in one foul swoop, in just the several, maybe an hour's time frame, I don't know how long it would have took all these messengers to come and give this news, you learn that you have lost everything you have, including your children. <coughs> and what Job doesn't even know is that all this happened to him because he was faithful. So Job says, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Who in here would respond that way? Most of us probably be cussing God. (laughs) That's a bad day. I mean, that's a horrible day. So all that happens, and then we get a repeat of the heavenly court. And God brags on Job again. Look, you know, look how wonderful he did. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't turn on me like you said he would. And Satan says, well, yeah. But man, you know, deep down, man really only cares about himself. He only cares about you know, his own being. So you take his health away, and I guarantee you he'll, he'll curse you this time. <laughs> so God says, okay. You can do whatever you want to to him. You just can't kill him. So again... Job is being punished more for being more faithful. The devil covers Job with boils from head to toe. I was actually going to show that up here, but it was pretty nasty, so I decided not to. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) And it's interesting, there's different types of definition of boils, so it doesn't give an exact, but all of them were bad. And covered from head to toe, I could not imagine the, the agony. I, 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 you would probably just want to die. So, but they're so bad, Job has to sit in ashes and take pottery and scrape them off his skin. That's how bad they are. So it's extremely painful. Job's wife comes to him, and I, and I think this is part of the reason maybe the devil didn't take Job's wife away. She comes to him and tells him to curse God and die. He needs to curse God and die. I mean, our response would probably be, okay, I'm, I'm with you on this one by now. But Job replied, you talk like a foolish woman. Should we accept only good things from the hand of God and never anything bad? So in all this, Job said nothing wrong. And so we, we, we transition from this into, Job has three, three friends that come along. To give you an idea how bad Job looked, when they saw him, They wailed loudly, ripped their clothes off, and threw dirt on themselves. Have you ever seen someone who looks so bad that it made you want to wail and rip your clothes and throw dirt on yourself? To make that worse, they go and sit with him. They sit with him for seven days without saying a word. I was going to make a joke there about men and women, but I won't. Can you? I mean you have to imagine that Because usually when someone's going through something You try to give them words of encouragement You try to to say It was so bad for him I don't think they had anything they could say I mean what were they going to say And so they sit there and finally Job speaks up And he curses the day he was born Which is natural I, I think anyone at that point would curse the day they were born Going through that so his first friend finally speaks to him and says, well, I know you've given counsel to all these people, but you must have never really understood what they were going through. So this must be part of the reason why you're suffering like this. And he also told me, he said, you must, have done some, you must have committed some sin. And he encouraged him to seek God's forgiveness and favor. You, you've done something wrong. The other two agreed that, they must have, that he must have done evil. Right, they said, Job, you must have done something evil and offended God. They urged him to resolve it and to live a more blameless life from now on. You need to live a better life, Job. Then they claim that, and this makes it even worse, they will say, well, your children must have done something really bad too because that's, they got what they deserved too. And then a third friend even suggests that maybe Job didn't even get what he really deserved and his punishment should have been greater. Let me ask you, how upset would you be if you, or who would, help me put it this way, who in here has been accused of doing something they didn't do? How does it make you feel? Angry, right? Upset? I, I, that's one of the things I can't stand it if someone accuses me of something. So here he is, sitting in this ash and boils, just in, in agonizing pain. His friends come along, offer no help of, at all, and basically say, "Well, you must have been doing something wrong. Your children was probably doing something wrong, and you really, probably didn't even get the punishment you deserved." So he insists that he did not do anything. He's lived a blameless life. He says none of this makes any sense. And then he starts to say, how can anyone please God? He starts to question God. How can anyone please God? So Job's friends were offended because they're like, Job, you're not being honest. You're lying to us. And this goes back and forth eight times. Excuse me. There's eight different back and forths of Job saying he didn't do it, his friends saying, well, you must have done something wrong. His friends And Job defended himself and then his friends again. And then finally Job starts to question, you know, why are the wicked not punished? And we do this, right? You know, something bad happens to good people, we see. It's like, well, why does God allow all these wicked people out here to run around and nothing bad happens to them? God seems to ignore all their wrongs. And so he starts to question God even more. Then Job gives his ninth response, defending himself, and he gives a final speech. And he, in, in the conversation, he says he hadn't done anything wrong. He speaks about the wisdom and not having wisdom and understanding his former uh, uh, blessings, the anguish he's going through. <coughs> Excuse me. And then he gives a final protest of innocence and says, "You know, I did not do anything wrong." So this exchange goes on. There's another friend who's off to the side. You know how sometimes people interject and and do that. And finally, I'm guessing eventually God had enough of it. So God speaks. And I'll be honest I really usually wouldn't read this much Scripture, but I'm going to read all 38 because I want you to see what God talks about here. And you can follow along if you want to, but I'm going to have it up here as well. Because I want you to see what God is saying here to Job when, Job, when God finally speaks. And, and I like the introduction when God starts speaking. Job 38. Then the Lord answered God with the, uh, I'm sorry the Lord answered Job with the whirlwind from a whirlwind. Who is it this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? I'm using a new living translation because I like the way that it, it words this and, and puts it in a, in a little bit of a simpler form. But basically, he's calling Joe Ickner. He says, brace yourself like a man. He's saying, man up, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Not, can you answer them? You must answer them. Look, I'm coming down. Let's see what you have. And so he goes and starts in verse 4. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundation and who laid its cornerstone as the morning star sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea inside its boundaries as it burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates limiting its shores, I said, this far, no further will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches the earth, takes shape like a clay pressed beneath the seal, it is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the seas come? Have you explored the depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from? Where does the darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? Now pay attention to this verse. But of course you know all this, from you were, for you were born before it was all created, and you, have, and you are so very experienced. I'm going to stop here. You, you think about this, right? This starts off Job is doing what he's supposed to do. He is a very, one of the most faithful servants of God that, that, that he brags about, that God brags about. He is punished for being faithful to prove a point. He questions God, which any of us would do, and when he questions God, God questions him in the middle of questioning him, mocks him. says, of course you were here, right? You are here, you, you saw me build the earth. You know all the answers. So then he continues on. Have you visited the storehouse of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble for the day of battle and war. Where is the path to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren land in a desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass spring up? Does the rain have a father who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice hard as rock and the surface of the water freezes. Can you direct the movement of the stars, binding the cluster of Pladaeus or losing the uh, the cords of Orion? Can you direct the constellations through the seasons or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the laws of the universe? Can you use them to regulate the earth? Can you shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike as you direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched ground is dry and the soil is hardened into into, uh, clods? Can you stalk prey for a lioness and satisfy the young lions' appetites as they lie in the dens or crouch in the thicket? Who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out, God and wonder and hunger. And then he continues on for a whole other chapter. You can read 39. I'm not going to read it to you. So we have two chapters, 38 and 39, of God questioning Job. Can you answer all these questions that I have? And then we get to 40, verse 1 and 2. The Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but to do, you have the answers? It's easy to criticize God sometimes, right? We're, we can be quick to do that. I, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure we all are. We question sometimes and wonder what in the world he's doing. But then he might come and ask you two chapters of questions that you can't answer. So Job responds. Verse 3, then Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I even find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. In other words, I'm going to sit down and shut up. But that wasn't a good enough answer for God. He goes on for two more chapters questioning Job. You can read those. I'm not going to read them to you. But I would highly recommend Go through and read 38, 39, 40, and 41, and 42 and all the way through the end of the chapter. For two more chapters, he continues to basically ask him, Who are you, Job? To to question anything I do. If I want to use you as an example, I can use you as an example. So we get to, he, he goes on for 40 and 41, asking the questions again. This time, Job responds again. Verses 1 through 6 of 42. I know that you, are, you can do anything, and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions, questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before. But now I have seen you with my eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in the dust and ashes to show my repentance. Everything that happened to Job, if you look at it from a human standpoint, was unfair. Job had done nothing wrong. Not to say he hadn't sinned, but he was so faithful that God called him out to Satan. Look how wonderful and faithful my servant is. He was punished for that, and then punished even more for staying faithful. But even in the end, after all of his questioning and all his complaining, he says, I have no clue what I'm talking about. I'm just going to sit here in my ashes and be quiet. So the story continues on, and we know that this. God blesses Job in the end. He doubles his blessing. Everything that was taken away from him, he gives him back twofold. He ends up with 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 teams of oxen, 1,000 female donkeys, seven more sons and three more daughters. and And the book of Job describes his daughters as the most beautiful in the kingdom. And he lived to see four generations of his children and his grandchildren. So the question then is I question God and I question the fairness of things that happen. The question I have to ask then is who am I to question God? Who are we to question God? In the end, basically God tells us through the story of Job, we have no clue. We don't. He has a plan and a purpose for everything. And we can't begin to understand it. We can try. We can read his Bible. But in the end, we're going to fall short of understanding God and who he is and his plan. There's a reason he allows things to happen. Sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes we see it before we leave it. But sometimes you can look back and you can see, well, man, I see why this happened in my life. But other times, you can't. And so all it boils down to is having faith. We have to have faith. We have to have faith in God even though we're not going to understand what He does all the time or what He allows to have happen in our lives all the time. We have to have faith in Jesus and in God that He is going to do what is best for us even if sometimes it may hurt us. And we have to maybe even realize the fact that we may even be punished or go through hard times. I'm almost going to say punished. We may go through hard times or even harder times because we're faithful. <clears throat> That's a hard thing to grab a hold of sometimes, the concept of it's not going to be always be fair. Now, in the end, this is, this is what's the wonderful thing. In the end, justice will be served and fairness will come out. <coughs> 100%. But we may not always understand it. We may not always get it. But we're, we need to, to look back. So as I finished this kind of this, this sermon to myself that, that I went through, I, I look back through it. And we're going to question God, right? It's human nature. We're, we're going to question things we don't understand. We may be angry about the things that happen. But in the end, we have to come back and we have to realize that God has a plan for our lives. And the ultimate thing I, I, I've talked about uh Said to myself on this, is if I were to talk God out of sending Beverly to, to heaven, she'd come back down here, she'd probably kick my butt. So, <laughs> we, we know that, that those people are in a better place. We know, and we wouldn't want them, but we, we don't understand those things. We don't understand why COVID's happening. We don't understand why we have all these people dying sometimes around us. We don't understand why he's allowing these, these bad things to happen. We don't understand why, you know, sometimes he's, we see the church. And, and our country going the direction it shouldn't be going, right? We were, and, and we see all those things. But God has a plan, and, it, and it's going to work out in the end. And I just hope that we will take, and, and we'll, we'll put our faith in Him, and get closer to Him. The more faithful, the closer we are to God. The more we reach into His Word, and we read things like Job, and we apply it to our lives, the more we're going to understand Him. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come here and, and worship you, to, to learn about your word. Lord, I, I ask that you be with us. I know that we probably have a lot of people who, just like me, don't understand your plan in some of, some of this stuff sometimes. Or why you allow the things to happen that you've had, allowed to happen. But I just ask that you be with us. Help us to see that you know, we don't understand you fully, but you have a grand plan, and we're going to understand that plan one day. But just be with us and help us to, to have a greater increase in faith in you as we go through this and go through some of these trials. Amen. All right, so our response, and this, and this is where I'll wrap up. There may be some out there questioning God right now like I know I am. Right? There, there may be some, and I hope maybe this speaks a little bit to, to you who, who have been going through this. You know, maybe there's some of us out here, and I, I don't know the everyone in the audience, but... Maybe there's some here, maybe there's some on the live stream who, who are questioning whether they should give their, their life to God. And after re- reading that, that going through Job, you're like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if I want to do that. But I, The answer is, trust me, you do. Right, because a, a life with God and maybe some suffering is a whole lot better than a life without God and a whole lot of suffering. Maybe you're struggling with everything that's going on like some of these others, you know. Uh, one of the reports I, re- I read earlier today is that we're seeing a, a huge increase in, in mental and, and uh, issues with people being, you know, just being stuck at home and, and suicides, where a depression's higher and those type of things, right? Maybe you're like me and, and kind of mad at God a little bit and something with some of this and, and questioning too. But pray about it. And this is one of the things I, I want us to start pushing. You know, we don't have to even with social distancing and us being separate. We don't have to be alone in all this stuff. Right, we can come, that's what the church is for, for us to come together, for us, you know, so sometimes we need to come forward. We need to say, you know what, I'm suffering with this, I, I, I want people to pray for me because I'm having a hard time going through some of these things. This is not something that we go through on our own. That is the purpose of the church. For so, so if you need anything, if you need any prayers, if you need to get right, if, you, if, you, if you're not a Christian and you want to become a Christian, do that now while we stand and sing.